Today on episode number 718, if you are thinking about starting a podcast, I'm here to ask the question, why not? And I've got some great examples of people who really don't understand how anyone would listen to them or how they got any kind of success. Now, these are celebrities and everything's been bleeped out, but there is some adult language that's been bleeped out. So if that offends you, just letting you know up ahead. And also, I review the software BounceCast. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where we help you start your podcast and grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. You can use a coupon code. That coupon code, of course, is LISTENER, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And today I am, can I admit something right now? I'm a little nervous about delivering this content because I care so much about it. We're talking today about attitude. We're talking about tweaking your content. We're talking about facing failure. And I've talked about this in the past and I actually went back and looked. And what I was really happy to see was I've talked about attitude in the past dealing with burnout, things like that, but I've never covered this content. And so I was like, okay, cool. We're, we're clear to kind of do this again. And as a, as a coach, my biggest struggle in podcasting is not helping people pick their name or pick their artwork or find the right gear. Really, those are all kind of a walk in the park. My hardest part is getting people to start. And then once they start, I need them to press record. And then after that, I, you know, after a few practice runs, I need them to then actually publish it. And then once I get them to publish, you have to be ready to pivot and maybe tweak your podcast. Unless, of course, you got it 100% right the first time. And so that's, I think, part of the problem is, wait, do you mean we're going to to start and then maybe not be 100% right? And the answer is, uh, yeah. And so this podcast was inspired thanks to Kim from Toastmasters101.net. So if you want to, I know right now as I record this, we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't go out anywhere, but you might want to listen to Kim's podcast. So when you do, if you want to get into Toastmasters, that's the place to go again, Toastmasters101.net. And she said, hey, have you seen the new preview for Danny Elfman? and his new master class. And I watched it and I was like, oh my gosh. Now, if you're like, who is Danny Elfman? Does he have something to do with Christmas? No, he's a singer and actually he's much more than that. But I knew him from a band way back in the day called Owingo Boingo. He had, uh, he had a video on MTV back in the day, kids. Uh, MTV used to actually play music videos. And the song was called Little Girls. And can I just say that song would never be recorded today? I don't think so. But I see this guy wearing a, a, a kind of a wife beater and kind of spooky uh, lighting. And I just I did not look at that and go, I bet that guy gets nominated four times for writing film scores, you know, for an Oscar for some of the most popular movies. And you're like, what do you mean popular movies? Well, Batman, Spider-Man, Beetlejuice, Goodwill Hunting, Chicago, Edward Scissorhands, uh, 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Men in Black. I mean, and that's just some of them. So how do you go from being the lead singer of Oingo Boingo? You might, if you've ever seen the movie Weird Science, yeah, that's Oingo Boingo. They're kind of Devo-ish. Again, this is 80s kind of stuff. And you go, how did that guy get from Oingo Boingo to writing music scores? And he somehow got in touch with Tim Burton and was asked to write the musical score for Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And as you might imagine, you might kind of go, wait, huh, who, me? So here's the story of that. Never expected to hear back. About a week or two later, I get a call from my manager saying, you got the job. And I'm like, I can't take the job. And I thought about it. I said, I, I can't take that job. Tell him I can't take the job. And he goes, off. You tell him you can't take the job. I've been working on this for two weeks. You wanted to call him and tell him you don't want to do the job. Go for it. And I spent an evening like looking at the phone like, I, I can't do this. I'll really screw up their movie. You know, it's like, I don't know anything about this. And um, I, I liked Tim. I didn't want to, I didn't want to screw his movie up. And, and then I cited really my entire life motto at that point was just it. I mean, that really summed up everything constantly for me. Why not? And um, I took the job. And so I like that attitude. I think sometimes with podcasting, we think about the audience, you know, the thousands of people that are going to be listening. And when you first start out, you you don't have that many people, which is really good because when you first start off, you're not going to be near as good as you are later. But I want to ask the question, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, number one, nobody will listen. Okay. So that just means the time you put into it might be considered wasted. And maybe if you put some money into it for gear, you might say that was wasted, to which I go, have you ever bought any exercise equipment in your life that you later didn't use? That was, and did you ever ride it? And yet you're still maybe not as big or small as you wanted to be. That would then be wasted time and wasted money. And we could come up with all sorts of ways that we waste time and we waste money. But in the end, it's not like, well, I can't go out in public anymore. Well, because I released a podcast and I had four episodes and nobody listened to it. And all the people that didn't listen to it are now going to make fun of me. How does that work? Because someone else who has that kind of like, what's the worst thing that could happen attitude is Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith started making movies because he saw somebody do an independent movie And found out that they had only paid, I think, $7,000 to make this movie. And he saw it in a theater. It was like, wait a minute. If that person can do it, so can I. And I found this interview with him. And I'm going to play you a clip where he kind of talks about that. And also what you're going to run into. If you tell the world you want to do anything, you will be slapped across the face with a big floppy of why. Why? Why do you think you could do that? Why are you saying this all of a sudden? Why now? Why Why don't I think this way? Why are you acting like this? People get very suspect. You can't get anything done surrounded by the why people. 
you gotta surround yourself with why not people so that when you say some goofy to relative strangers like Scott Mosier and Dave Klein or people who gave birth to me like my parents or people like Jeff Anderson or Brian O'Hara and stuff when you say like I want to try to do this thing I've never done it before and I, I probably don't have aptitude for it but it seems fun and why them and why not us so you want to make a movie with me the answer you get is not why you just get a bunch of people going yeah why not that sounds fun why not that could be cool if you're a regular listener to the show, you know I discovered a book this year called Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. He does a podcast called Speak Up Storytelling. If you want to learn how to tell a story, I highly recommend it, and I highly, highly recommend the book. Easily, I've recommended that book in the last two years more than any other book that I've read. And what's interesting about Matthew is he went to – his very first storytelling event, and this was what was going through his head. Ten minutes ago, I dropped my name into a canvas tote bag. Dan called it a hat, but I didn't dare quibble over terminology. All I know is that from that proverbial hat, ten names will be drawn to tell stories. I'm praying that my name doesn't get picked. After months of imagining this moment, the last thing I want to do now is perform for this audience. I'm only here because I stupidly promised my friends that I would someday tell a story at the moth. Now all I want to do is bolt. Either that or sit here silently for the rest of the night. So, spoiler alert, his name did get called at this moth storytelling event. And it turns out uh, he won it. In fact, Matthew, a guy who was like, literally tricked into almost telling the story and getting to this event. His his wife kind of politely nudged him and his friends in that. He went on. He's a 42 times. He's won that uh, moth storytelling. And then when you win that, you go to what's called the Grand Slam. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. It's all the winners go against each other. And he's won that six times. And that's a guy that was like, mm, boy, I don't know if anybody would listen to me. I'm really not that interesting. I want to be anywhere but here. And once he, he talks about how he went through it, and the next day he was mowing the grass, I think, if, if I remember right how the story goes. But he was, he was doing something, and he goes, I really didn't come down from the night before. Because he didn't know. But he was like, when he, finally his name was called, and he went up. And did it. And he is now, he's just like, he is the Yoda of storytelling. But it does take time, it takes effort, and it takes practice. But here's the other thing it takes to get really good at something. And this is the part that really, I think, scares people. Here's what it takes to really grow in any skill. You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to do something, even though it might not work. Today, as I record this, it's Easter Sunday, and the average age of the people that attend this little church that I go to is 70, the average age, because Ralph and Mary are 90, and they come a lot. And uh, so I decided, because we had met in about three weeks, I said, let's try to do church on a Zoom meeting realizing that a big chunk of my congregation does not have a computer, maybe a smartphone. 
and I picked Zoom because they could actually dial into it. And I met with a pastor and we kind of did a little test and I was playing all the music. We actually tried to have play hymns. That's that's a train wreck, by the way, because by the time the music gets to people and they actually sing and it gets back to you, it's just a train wreck. So don't try to sing online. I wouldn't recommend that. And then it turns out on the second song, nobody could hear it uh, because I did something with muting. And here's the cool thing. You know what we learned? We learned that if we have church online anymore, uh, anymore, which we are, we're going to do it again. We're going to take what we learned and use it towards next week and next week. And maybe we'll have Krista sing. Maybe we'll sing. Maybe we'll have somebody sing a cappella who maybe we just won't have music. Maybe we'll have a time for people to share. We're not sure. We're going to figure it out. But I was talking to the pastor. I said, we'll either have a really cool service or we'll have a really funny story. And we had a little bit of both. So there are times when you have to be willing to fail. And Danny Elfman has a great uh, spot about this. When somebody starts talking about this should be in such and such a key because such a key feels that way, that's bullshit. You can turn any key into anything you want. So I want to break in here because this is a point I think that we've kind of lost a little bit of. In the early days of podcasting, there were some really way outside the box thinking. And if you think podcasting is simply a solo show or an interview show or you know, just these little boxes that we put podcasting in, you can do whatever you want. If you go, hey, nobody's doing this, then it's you. You are the person that's being then called to do that. So in the same way that people are like, oh, yeah, you either interview people or you do a solo show, you could probably come up with different formats where you combine those two or do really whatever you want. Maybe there's something that nobody's thought of that you can figure out, but that might take some time. Let's go back to Danny. I use a device called Axe Effects, changing the size of the amp, changing the size of the speaker, distortion, overdrive, all night long, tweaking, 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 tweaking knobs. If you're able to find something that stands out as an original thing, you are going to find a fast ticket to getting yourself more work. Now, notice what he said there. If you can find something unique, doing something unique is really hard. And hence what he said. Now, he was talking guitar stuff there, tweaking knobs and different amps and different speakers and things like that. But the point is, it took him a while to do these things. He didn't just flip a switch and on it came. He said, but if you can really come up with something that's completely original, then you're going to have an easier path. Now, I realize coming up with something that is a 100% original is almost impossible. But coming up with a new slant, like Kevin Smith said, nobody was talking about his neighborhood, about his friends, about the things that they wanted to talk about. My buddy Daniel J. Lewis, he does the show the audacity to podcast. Why did he start that show? Because there were other shows about podcasting, but they weren't talking about what he wanted to talk about. So that's where you can be different. That's where you can be original. After hundred and something films, I'm constantly insecure, but here's the hitch. It's okay to fail, to feel insecure, doubting yourself, finding confidence and moving forward, and then doubting what you've just done. I think this is the life of a composer, and I think it's the life of an artist. And I often kind of say this in a mocking kind of voice, but, you know, it's my art, man. Well, your podcast is kind of art, but I love the fact that he says it's okay to fail. 
It really is. You don't die. We joke on this show, nobody's going to punch you in the face, but it's true. But here's a guy, think about it. He just said, when you get done with one thing, he's insecure about his next. This is, can you imagine that? Being nominated for an Oscar and then being insecure about your next project and then being nominated for the second and the third and the fourth and still feeling insecure. But this next line that he says, I think is so powerful. If you're really going to succeed, there's no other way but by doing, making mistakes and then learning from those mistakes and moving on. If you take the time and you learn it, I promise you, it'll serve you well. I'm Danny Elfman, and this is my master class. And when I heard that, I was like, I have to turn this into an episode. The only way you're going to get better is through failure. Isn't that amazing? Or at least embracing your insecurities and putting things out there to find out what works. I've quoted the line before from uh, Kevin Hart when he says, you can't tell if you're a funny comedian practicing your jokes in the basement. There is only one way to know if you're funny or not. And that's going to take some time to, again, try this, try this, that worked, that worked, that worked, that worked, that didn't. Okay. What can I learn from that? And go from there. And it really does boil down to your attitude. And I was listening to Scott Johnson has a show called What Was That Like? It's an amazing show with amazing stories. And he interviewed William Hung. Now, you might remember William Hung from American Idol. This was a guy that got put through not because he had great singing talent, but because he was pretty awful and entertaining in a way. And everybody kind of sniggered at the poor little guy. And this guy's attitude is amazing. So here's a clip from What Was That Like? You can find that at whatwasthatlike.com, where Scott was interviewing William Hung. I'm human too, so I wouldn't say that I have no zero fear of rejection, but it's more like, you know, like, like the, my, my mindset is that I expect rejection. It's going to happen, and then it's more like, what can I learn from that rejection? Hmm, so it's not wasted. Yeah. It was really interesting to hear what happened to William Hung after American Idol. Again, check out that show. What was that like? And then I was listening to WTF with Mark Marin, and he was interviewing the ventriloquist slash comedian uh, Jeff Dunham. And he was talking about you got to realize for for you youngins. Back in the day, Johnny Carson, if you could get on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, this is back in the days when there were like four channels. That was it, maybe six. And if you could get on The Tonight Show, your life would change. Like your career was officially hockey stick growth, people walking down the next street saying, hey, I saw you on Carson last night. And so it was a big deal. And But consequently, not everybody got on the Tonight Show. So Jeff Dunham now sells out stadiums as a comedian slash ventriloquist. But listen to how many times he had to audition to get on the Tonight Show and listen again for his attitude. How many years? See, I first started auditioning in 86. So no. And I got booked in 1990. Uh-huh. 
and I own 84, 84 to 90. Yeah. I auditioned for Jim McCauley nine times. Wow. I got eight. No, 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 no. What was he looking like? We know we've done a lot of ventriloquists. No, know. it was very simple. He says, you're not funny enough. Right. And that was another thing that kept pushing me. He says, mm. I, but, but I can be on if I'm funny enough. He goes, absolutely. You're yeah. a great ventriloquist. You're just not, you got to be funny when you're in front of Johnny Carson. Right. And then, you know, I worked and honed and honed and honed that five minutes. Until he, Macaulay came and saw me at the the Ice House. And, of course, I killed. And I'll have links to everything I mentioned today, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 718. And so he's trying to get on The Tonight Show. He, think about this. Hey, the person that books The Tonight Show is going to be at the show tonight. And he's like, this is my break. And then he does the show. And they're like, uh, no. Think about how that had to feel. And the fact that he was like, ugh. And they say, yeah, you're just, you know, you're not funny enough. And then, okay, they're going to come. They're giving you another chance. Okay, you're going to audition again. They're going to be at this club. And you're just praying that your set goes good. And so he didn't quit when somebody said, yeah, you're not bad, but it needs a little work. And then when it happened a third and a fourth and a fifth. And it, so here's a guy now that is selling out stadiums with a puppet act, as he put it. (laughs) And it's because he constantly worked on making it better. I know when I do an interview, I listen to the question I ask and the answer I get. And I then look at that and go, is that going to bring value to my audience? And if it doesn't, it doesn't make it into the show. I hear so many people that just hit record and whatever happens, happens. And I listened to my very first episode. I recently celebrated 15 years in podcasting. So I went back and listened to my very first episode and I was just an um machine. Still am to a certain extent, but back then I didn't edit it out. Now I do. And so it's something that like Danny Elfman said, you get out there, you try something, some of it works, do more of that. If it doesn't work, don't do that. And you just keep going and going. And as Jeff says, when you are funny enough, you get to go on the Johnny Carson show. So in this case, when you get entertaining, when you are making people laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain them, they're going to come back and listen. So I started telling you about the story, how I got my church to do an online service this week. The big question is going to be, because we don't have, it's not a big church at all, and we probably had 15 people online. Now, they were all on the phone, not on computers, because they're old. The big question is, how many people come back next week? That's going to be the real kind of barometer of, okay, is this going to be something that we should pursue? Or does our audience just completely reject it? And so we shall see. But it is going to take some time. It is going to take some work. And to go back to William Hung, not that we are doing things to be rejected, but we just know that not everything is going to work. And when it doesn't work, what did we learn from that? And then, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or this isn't bad, but it's too long. It needs tightened up. Whatever it is, don't let the negative feedback stop you. Don't let it just stop you in your tracks. If somebody gives you negative feedback, look, you know what the goal of the show is and say, hey, if I implement this feedback, is it going to completely steer the goal of the show? Am I going to miss my goal if I implement this? Well, then maybe you should. And then the problem is sometimes you go, hmm, not sure if I'm comfortable with that. Well, That's the fun part. 
That's where it takes that risk. That's where it takes that courage. But sometimes stepping out there and doing something, and especially if you say, I'm doing this because so-and-so wrote in, your audience is going to go, wow, I can actually help shape this show. There are people, when I did my interviews for the book I have coming out sometime this year, it's supposed to be out in July, uh, called Profit From Your Podcast. When I did all the interviews for that, and I was interviewing people that were doing well on Patreon, some of the things that people will actually pay you for is if they can help shape the content. Primarily, they just want more content, but some people will pay because they want to help shape the content. So that's a powerful thing when you let your audience know that you are in control to a certain extent of the content on the show. I always ask people, what do you want me to talk about? And they always say, ah, you probably already talked about it. Well, let me know about it anyway. I'll see if I can answer any questions you might have. But it is going to come down to your attitude because just like Jeff Dunham, it might take years. Jerry Seinfeld, I think, was 14 years by the time his TV show really took off. And then sometimes you just never know who's listening. I'm going to go back to this is Kevin Smith. His very first movie was called Clerks. And sometimes you do hit it out of the park on the first time. Check out the story because you never know who's listening or in his case, you never, you never know who's watching. So we get up there for the screening. Everybody who was involved in it and stuff who made it. There's all 10 of us cast and crew and walked into the theater and we were literally the only people there. Later on, two other people came in, sat kind of over here. One girl sat over there and then one bald guy sat up front. And I had to sit through the first public uh, exhibition of anything I'd ever created uh, for film in an empty theater and kind of sit there and soak in, what have you done? Like, oh, you had such dreams, mother Nobody is here. Look at this. Never try anything. Why did you do this? And then 20 minutes into the screening, like, I relaxed. Suddenly I was like, well, wait a second, man. Like... Yeah, nobody's here and stuff, but look, there's your movie. Don't give up on this. Like, pay the movie off and then make another one because you loved who you were when this was happening. And I got calm again and was like, okay, and then kicked back and enjoyed the movie, watching it like writ large on a screen in the Angelica where I had seen Richard Linklater's Slacker, you know, only two years, maybe less than two years prior. So all of it was all very overwhelming and stuff. And then I left that theater figuring nobody would ever see the movie except me whenever I popped it into my VCR. And then I got a phone call the next morning from um, a woman who said she was Amy Taubin. And Amy Taubin wrote for The Village Voice. And she goes, I heard Clerks was the undiscovered gem of the marketplace. And I was like, what? Literally an hour later, I got a phone call from another guy named Larry Kardish. Larry runs the new directors for new film series. The third call we got was from a guy named Peter Broderick, indie bigwig Peter Broderick. And I was like, you have to tell me, who told you about this movie? Dude, nobody was there. And he said, there was some guy there. His name is Bob Hawk. He was the guy, like, turned out he was the bald guy sitting up front. And uh, he saw your movie and loved it. And he's a big figure in the film world. So... It wasn't over. It was literally the beginning because of Bob Hawk. And Bob was like, you should submit to Sundance. And the night that we found out we got into to Sundance with Clerks, I was behind the register. I was literally being Dante, the guy in the movie. And Bob Hawk called me, the same payphone that Dante's on in the movie and stuff. And he goes, you did it, baby. You're in the festival. He's going, it's locked. That's written in stone. I love that that shows you never know who's watching, listening, etc. But I, I love the one line where he says, pay off the film and make another one because I love 
the way it made him feel, I think is how he said. I loved how that made me feel to actually be doing what you love. And if you love talking to people about your subject, don't let all those demons in your head stop you. Because when you first start out, nobody's going to be listening. And then as you go in that that passion and that hunger for making it better and refining and refining and refining. And as you do that, more and more people are going to be finding your show and start telling your friends about it. And so right now, one of the things that makes me just, I go, ugh, who designed that in Spotify? They show your shows, your episodes from newest to oldest. But after they get done listening, like if they click on my latest episode in Spotify, it will play it. And then it goes to the very first episode. And I'm like, what? Yeah, don't do that. So I need to make a trailer or something like that and date it earlier than my very first episode that says, hey, if you're listening to this in Spotify, don't (laughs) go over to Apple podcast or overcast or something like that. So don't let your negative talk in your head stop you. You've got the skills, and we've heard in the last couple episodes where people have reached out and got some help, and you can too. And who knows how your podcast will shape those who listen to it, but more importantly, how is it going to shape you? And if you're worried about trying something that doesn't work, well, do you remember in the 1990s when McDonald's Uh, they tried to do pizza and then they learned, notice they failed and they learned that, oh, that's right. We're a fast food restaurant and pizza isn't fast. In 1962, they tried to come up something for people to like a meatless burger to, uh, to eat during Lent. And they tried the hula burger, which was basically a pineapple slice with two pieces of cheese. And then it dawned on them that that's awful. Then they tried hot dogs in the 90s. Uh, And the bad news about hot dogs, they can be made out of anything. And so you have to really trust who you're getting a hot dog from. They tried McCrab in 2003, which was crab meat on a bun. The McSpaghetti in 1970, because, you know, when you think good Italian, you think McDonald's. They tried onion nuggets in 1970. These were kind of, if you think of like an onion ring, this was kind of like the center part And yeah, uh, the Angus Burger in 2003, they were actually the first chain to sell the Angus Burger, except they were selling them at like four bucks a pop and nobody wanted to pay that. The McDLT, where the hot stays hot and the cool stays cool, uh, that actually wasn't a complete bust until it just, they had so much styrofoam to actually serve those that they cut them because of the environmental issues. 1992, this is the one that I just went, what? Yeah, McDonald's tried lobster. And uh, they actually tried it again in 2015 because lobster isn't cheap. So they tried it in places where people eat lobster all the time, like, I don't know, New England. You know, all these places that, I don't know, have really good lobster already. So that didn't work. And uh, they tried salad shakers in uh, 2000 because who doesn't want to, get a salad served in what appears to be a giant Slurpee cup. And so what did they do? They learned what their audience likes and what they don't like, and they adjusted. And in some cases, you have things like the McRib 
which they didn't really keep, but they they bring back every now and then, and people go absolutely nuts for it. So if you try something and it doesn't work out, it doesn't seem to really hurt McDonald's. They're still around. They're still doing okay. Have you sent in your answer for the question of the month? It's a really wide open question this month, and that is, what do you use to create your podcast? So that could be hardware, software, business tracking, organizational tools, whatever it is, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. I need those answers by April 24th, 2020. And of course, don't forget to say your podcast, what it's about, and where we can find it. And when you do that, nice and easy. doesn't have to be super fast. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. What do you use to create your podcast? Bouncecast is a, an audio enhancing software that currently is on AppSumo. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash bouncecast, this is normally $99 a year, and they have via AppSumo a lifetime, I think it's $39, you can have the software for life. And I'm going to play a quick clip of the original audio that I did. And then you can turn on noise removal, click removal, hum removal, and then a DJ voice. And so here they are. Here's the original. And then you'll hear the exact same thing with everything turned on. All right, so this is me talking into the Rodecaster Pro. I've turned off all the processing on it except for the noise gate, and I'm recording into Bouncecast. All right, so this is me talking into the Rodecaster Pro. I've turned off all the processing on it except for the noise gate, and I'm recording into Bouncecast. And so the problem here is Bouncecast is going to get compared a lot to Auphonic, A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C, and when you compare it to Auphonic, it's hands down, Auphonic is better. It does a better job of leveling out the audio. Uh, it does a better job of removing some of the noise. Now, was Bouncecast awful? No, but there's there's a, such a thin line when you're removing noise. If you just go, if you could just put your finger just that much too much, you start to get what I call an underwater effect. And to me, they went just that far, a little bit too much. Now, that might be different with different recordings and things like that, but that was just me recording directly into it. It did have one interesting feature that when you export things, you can say, hey, give me a WAV file and an MP3 file and another whatever file. So you can export multiple formats at once. That was unique. I haven't seen that in other programs, but my initial reaction was, did it make my audio sound better? Kind of, but I thought the noise reduction was a little too aggressive, and you set that by basically doing what's called a sound, uh, I forget what they call it, a, a, but you basically clapped like that, and it would measure how much echo was in your room and then try to remove that. So I liked the idea, I just thought it was just a little Mm, that much too aggressive. But if you're interested in this, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash bouncecast. Like I said, it's $39 forever. 
And uh, in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 719, I have an actual video tutorial, and you get to see what it looks like. So if you want to dig deeper into it, I had uh, – and and why did I do that? Because I had three people say, what do you think of Bouncecast? And I'm like, hmm, I'm going to have to go buy this. So I did. I played with it, and my reaction was like, meh. I have a new free service. And this might go on after all this pandemic is over. If you go to podcaster, that is singular, podcasterhappyhour.com, and you sign up, I'm not going to spam you. And what is Podcaster Happy Hour? It's a Zoom meeting where I would say somewhere between 9 and 13 people get together. It depends. And we talk about whatever. We're all kind of cooped up. We're all trying to not let our kids drive us crazy. We're talking about books and movies and what we're doing and how we're uh, how things are going in in their world and my world and your world and we're all just kind of chilling because sometimes you just want to go where everybody knows your name to quote the old Cheers TV show and so it's not on a regular date because my schedule is kind of uh, it kind of goes all over the place it's been on Friday nights uh, but I can't say it will be every Friday night. But if you want to be notified, go over to podcasterhappyhour.com. And the other thing I should fill you in on, two little housekeeping things. I've had people reach out to me and say, how you doing? Doing okay? Is everything okay? I'm fine. I worked from home before this happened, so it really wasn't that much of a change. I'm very happy in the fact that if I was still in my old teaching job, I'd be unemployed right now. And I work for Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. Use the coupon code uh, SOP free to get a free month. So that part I'm doing fine with, and I'm practicing extreme distancing from people when I actually wear a mask and gloves when I go outside. So that part I'm perfectly fine with. And the other, just a little bit of housekeeping, I've revamped a feature on the School of Podcasting, and that is my support system. I have multiple, and I now have – I've had live chat in the past. I've had a knowledge base in the past. I've had a ticketing system in the past, and they were all free services that really didn't work together. And I have recently put up money to have an all-in-one system. And so if you are looking for answers on something or if you come over and you see a chat window and go, I wonder if that's Dave. The answer is, yeah, that is. And I do answer my chats, and if I don't – if for some reason I'm not online – I will get back to you later because I'm always looking for questions and things that are have you stuck or things like that. So that's what I've been doing in somewhat. I have a little more free time, but really not much because a lot of people are starting podcasts right now because it was always that, hey, if I had a little more time, I might start one. And I realize uh, for some of you, if you have children, you're like, the free time is a thing of the past. I realize, but for some people, they're like, actually, I do have a little more time, and so they are starting podcasts. And if you need help with that, well, here's what Sarah had to say when she had me help her out. I can't thank you enough. This has been, like, priceless. I know you probably hear that all the time. Priceless information, like, like seriously, you've been the best help in the whole world. Like, I can't believe – I cannot believe – how helpful you have been. I wasn't sure if you'd be able to tell me one thing that I hadn't thought of yet. And like, literally this has been like amazing. So beautiful. 
Come visit me over at schoolofpodcasting.com. Again, if you want to join, use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And we've got some great things coming up. We've got an interview with the creator of Podit. We have an interview with the guys from Wealth Without Wall Street and more things coming. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Yeah.